Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. We're fighting illness. You're fighting more successfully than I am, so I, I, I preemptively apologize for any sniffling or clearing of the throat or additional sniffling that might happen during this podcast recording. Well, I'm not fighting it more successfully. I just had a cold before you did. No? I thought I got it before you. This is the dumbest thing to argue about in a podcast ever. <laughs> One whole month he waited for this, folks. Oh, I'm so sorry. But we are we are back now. Sadly, not with, with the massacre yet, but we'll get back to it soon. Yeah. Uh, sports month, that being October, mm-hmm. which is baseball playoffs and the beginning of the hockey season, which ties up someone's time and energy and attention in this household. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says that accusatorily, even though it's him. Yeah, pretty much, uh, if we haven't mentioned it before, October and April are months in which to not expect to hear much from us. Unless we win the lottery or start making a lot more money from this podcast uh, so that we don't need to have uh, daytime jobs. Uh, com slash members. Just a thought. Please support the podcast if you can so that we can do more podcasts. And so it doesn't take us 53 years to complete Lazy Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're like a little bit way through season three. We, we got there, what, a year and a half? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at that time, for a good chunk of that, I didn't have a job and you were the one that had a job. And when it's the other way around, like it is now, with me having a job and you not having a job, I don't have a lot of energy left over at the end of day for the day for podcasting, especially since I'm also doing other extra work to try to bring money into the household. So, yeah. Sorry, folks. This the Lazy Doctor Who is... It, lazy is really not the word. It's just overworked Doctor Who podcasters not recording podcasts about, about Doctor Who. That could be it. So it's the only thing that sort of thrusts us into recording again is Verity, oddly enough, another <laughs> podcast because you're reviewing Boomtown mm-hmm. on the next Verity episode, which is coming out on Wednesday. Okay. So naturally, in keeping with what we've been doing this year, we're getting your immediate thoughts on this podcast instead. <laughs> so Dev can yell at me on Verity as per usual. Yep. This is episode 11 of mm-hmm. of 13. So like we're almost done uh, series one of Doctor Who. Which makes sense because Deb planned it out to do the first series of New Who and the first season of Classic Who scattered about throughout 2016. And we are closing in on the end of 2016, the worst year yet. Yeah, that's what I mean to say, mm-hmm. is that it's almost over. And now we're almost at the end of the series. And that makes me happy, I guess. Um, so Boomtown, this one, do you, how much do you remember this one? I, I actually didn't legitimately remember anything myself um because i'm pretty i I only i know for certain that i only saw this the one time there are other episodes that i may have seen more than once a few that i know for certain i saw more than once this absolutely did not see this except for that one time if i even saw it i mean what see the only things i knew about this story were things that i heard people talk about on podcasts repeatedly so i knew that the doctor had this long dinner conversation with uh, Margaret Slidine. Um, and I I don't think I even knew that Mickey came, like that was a surprise to me. Um, yeah, so really I didn't know very much going in. Cause I, knew what, I knew how it ended. I knew she turned it into a weird egg, pineapple, weird, strange thing. Mm-hmm. It's funny, uh, knowing that uh, like a few minutes in, 
when you asked me, you know, when they saw Blythe Drug, um, and you said, oh, is that, is that Bad Wolf or something like that? Says, and I said, yep. And I realized that she might not have remembered that. I might have just spoiled it. So I felt like I spoiled the episode for you. Oh, no, no, no. Um, there was a question in Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit, which we played on Verity, that asked, you know, what does Blythe Droog and something else and something else all uh, mean? And it's it's Bad Wolf. I just couldn't remember if that was the particular Welsh phrase that meant that meant Bad Wolf. So you didn't spoil anything. I actually remember more about what's coming in the next couple episodes than I did about this. That's not surprising. Boomtown, for some reason, gets kind of forgotten a little bit um, as sort of the calm before the storm that is the two-part season finale. It's odd that you don't remember much about it because of all the episodes in series one. I think this one we have more of a personal connection to in that one year ago, as we record this, yesterday, we were in Cardiff Mm -hmm. in most of those locations, like the main... Uh, Royal Dal Plas, and there was Yanto Shrine mm-hmm. in the pre-Yanto Shrine days, <laughs> where Mickey and Rose were talking there, and I think we saw Gary Russell took us on the uh, location tour when we were there, impromptu location tour, I hasten to add, and the the um, that flat there when uh, when they're in the restaurant mm-hmm. and, and Margaret's pointing at the flat. That's actually mm-hmm. the, the penthouse suite where Billy Piper and later Elizabeth Sladen lived when she was shooting um, uh, Sarah Jane Adventures. All sorts of fun things, right? Yep. And we, I think we saw the restaurant from outside. We didn't actually go in. The one that they were laughing in at the beginning of the episode. That's right. We did see that one too, wasn't it? It was like on a pier or something, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a nice like external shot of it. Uh, here an establishing mm-hmm. shot and i was like yep i remember that i recognize it and then and then there's annette badland who um we've met at a couple of conventions mm-hmm. recently i got to interview her at chicago tardis and we hit it off very well and then we became like sort of friends on facebook and stuff and chatted a bit during the convention and then when she was at li who uh i thought because oh, we went on like a winery tour didn't we yep yeah, <laughs> and I thought well, she's not going to remember me, right? Because I so I want to get on the bus and sort of look at. It. I go, "Hi, remember me?" And says, "Oh yes, that's right," and like have her not remember. So I just sort of like played it cool. Just I'll just walk to the back of the bus. Didn't look at her, you know. And then later on, she says, "You didn't even look at me." She remembered who I was, <laughs> and she scolded you for not uh, not saying hello to her, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, so I felt bad, but I felt gratified that she was very very nice Mm -hmm. and it is because of her that this episode was created in the first place is that true well see i asked you that just so i can tell my story (laughs) there was originally going to be an episode in the in the episode 11 slot by a writer called paul abbott uh but he had to pull out because of other work commitments so russell t davies had to basically crash another episode together short notice and sort of thought back what could I do I know I really liked Annette Badland in the previous two-parter with the Slovene let's bring her back and have her own episode kind of thing so she was a focal point of that episode because of her performance in the very first shooting block this does not surprise me at all because she was great and she's so good here she really really is I just it is not very often that we get to see actors who are a little bit older and a little bit larger um, getting excellent roles, 
heartfelt heartfelt moments mm-hmm. and just yeah i mean she kills it she knocks it out of the park yeah like from the you know she does the humor very well but then also like just the the dinner scenes mm-hmm. and stuff and she's like really speaking very quietly and they and they you know who's who can look at me in the eye scene and no one can and all sorts of great mm-hmm. it's sad that it's her last episode of doctor who because she becomes a pineapple after that but yeah it is sad however at the same time i have to say from the perspective of the writing I'm sorry. Like, yes, the music is telling me that I should feel sorry for her. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, I'm not even a supporter of the death penalty at all. And still, I have very, very, very hard time <laughs> seeing like where she is coming from. I would have been able to look her in the eye, I think, just fine. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I, I don't think that. Uh, and, and this is not just because that she was really bad all along and tries to kill Rose at the end. No, just, she did horrible things. She was willing to destroy an entire planet to get home. There's absolutely no way in heck that I would be the tiniest bit. <laughs> the tiniest but I don't know what's right. Um, the tiniest bit. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. <laughs> Literally the first episode, first line of the episode is, who the hell are you? Who the hell am I? Who the hell are you? Is like what Jack and Mickey say to each other. Good point. You're right. I'm still, I'm still sticking by my heck. I'm okay with that. But anyway, I find it hard to uh, feel sorry for her at all. And there, I would never have been the tiniest bit tempted to let her go mm-hmm. or let her go back to one of her other families or anything. No. I mean, maybe there could have been some other solution besides taking her back to be boiled alive in acid. If you even believe that's what they actually do, who knows? Um, you know, have her locked up someplace else. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I, I I feel like the show is a little a little heavy-handed with all of its, uh, you know, oh, you should feel bad for me. Look, you're a murderer too. You've you've done terrible things. Yeah, he has. But th- this is this is Sledgehammer City. Understand though, at this time we didn't know what the time war was and what he would have done, or what he did do during it. So there's this great kind of mystery about what the time war was, and that was kind of building at this point. That's true, but I wasn't actually even thinking about the time war at all. I was just thinking about the classic doctor. <laughs> yeah, the classic doctor's pulled some pretty shady stuff. He's caused the deaths of a lot of people, both directly and indirectly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for anybody who was watching the classic show, yes, all of that sort of baggage is there, but at the same time, the doctors killed a bunch of people directly and indirectly. So why would he be so, you know, wussy pants upset about trying to take her home? You know? Mm-hmm. I understand what you mean. I do like the, uh, you know, um, the, the decision, you know, like, so you spared one, you know, it's how you keep on living, that sort of thing. And then she sort of uses that argument. To, and he almost, I think he's probably on the verge, she is, of convincing him by the looks of it. And then, of course, the rift starts to open um, mm-hmm. and it becomes moot. Yep. I, again, I, I don't think that she was on the verge of convincing him to let her go. No. Possibly he was spent that dinner time trying to come up with an alternate solution, like, you know, finding a cosmic prison or something like that, that he could have her locked up in, but treated fairly and kindly. But th- there's no chance that he would have just, just let her go because, because he recognizes the, uh, you know, and I don't think it necessarily has to be because the doctor is also a killer and recognizes that in him, in her, 
what he sees in her about letting letting one go as how she can live with herself. I don't think it's because he recognizes that in himself. I think it's because he's dealt with so many egomaniacal, you know, awful, awful people who are willing to sacrifice anything to get what they want. So he's had experience with people like her, not he is someone like her, because he really isn't. No, when it comes down to it, he really isn't. Or is he? No, he's not. No, he's not. Um, can we talk about direction a little bit? Um, do you remember the Slothene two-parter earlier on this season and how kind of silly it was and all that? Oh, yeah, it was kind of pants. Yeah. What about this? What do you think of this? I actually wrote in my notes for Verity, again, not taking notes for this, nope. but uh was just that the direction was so much better here. Um, from everything from the, the, the direction of the dinner scene is really nice because when they get very intense you get all these these beautiful close-ups on each one of them it gets kind of closer and closer throughout the dinner which is nice um backing up a little bit from there you have kind of a nice cross-cutting montage with uh rose and mickey wandering around and them going off to dinner it's yeah it just it felt kind of elegant and competent it was just it was really it was really solid i was gonna say professional yep yes the all of those words fit this story i i think uh, it's it it's nice to watch it's fun the music is a little bit poorly mixed which is a com- complaint that a lot of people have yep. um yeah i the music in this one i noticed and usually when i notice the music that's not a good thing i felt like it was and i don't know if this is the director saying do this or if it was just murray gold or or what but I don't like it when the music is telling me how I should feel so blatantly. Mm-hmm. And this really does that. And then at the same time, it's so poorly mixed that you have trouble, especially like the bathroom scene. Yeah. I had trouble understanding what uh, that Kathy Salt person was even saying because the music was so high. We had the subtitles on. Mm-hmm. That was probably the first time I know. So do uh, speaking of that scene there, you know, there is a big rubber suit sitting on a toilet <laughs> and yet it's, the way that uh, Annette Badland is is voicing the Slovenia in that, in that shot and that scene, and the way it's directed, it just like you you just believe it and you go with it. That's what makes that direction so much better. Yeah, the camera work and the acting I think are awesome, and I would have just gone with it if the music would have been less sledgehammery. Mm-hmm. As it was, the music actually pulled me out of it because it was like because it was telling me so forcefully this is the way that you should feel about it if it was a little more subtle i think i would have been completely wrapped up in it and would have gone along with it a lot a lot more smoothly mm-hmm. um joe hearn was the director on this by the way who directed father's day dalek this one and then the next two episodes mm-hmm. apparently he wasn't going to be the director on this but was brought on board at the very last minute i think I think at the insistence of one Christopher Eccleston, who quite enjoyed working with him in um, Dalek and Father's Day. Hmm. Well, I, I can see why, because he's a, he's a good director. That he is. Um, I quite like this episode a lot, actually. Did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I don't know if it's because it felt so new and fresh, because I had remembered. Mm-hmm. It seems like the, the episodes... Okay, so I have said multiple times on this podcast and on Verity that... In in all of the Doctor Who that I watched kind of as a child, the, the episodes that I don't remember are, in general, the ones I don't like because the things I don't like just fall out of my head. Right. Tansy refers to that as my Doctor Who defense mechanism <laughs> because right. the stuff I don't like, I just forget. Mm-hmm. So everything's wonderful. I'm finding that in this first season of New Who, 
it's kind of the opposite. The episodes that I don't remember are some of the ones that I'm finding are the most fun to watch and are kind of my favorites. This and The Long Game are, are two that are really just sort of standouts for the amount of joy that I felt watching them now. And I think some of that's probably because I don't remember it, but the fact that I didn't remember it used to mean that I didn't like it. So maybe it's possible I didn't like those episodes to start with and now I do. I don't I don't really know how that works out, but I've just I really really had fun watching this cuz it felt cuz it was a really good episode and it felt like I was watching it almost for the first time in a way. As we've covered on this podcast before, you had a bit of pushback against the new series when it came because you know it was very ooh this is new oh there's boys and girls kissing in this show. I don't know how to feel about this. That's true. And actually, this one had something rather big that I had quite a bit of trouble with the first time. The first time, okay. And that is the TARDIS, you know, being alive. The doctor had sort of referred to it before, but this time, like, it actually slides open and she looks into the heart of it and it's all swirly lights and stuff. And I didn't like that. No? No. I mean, I like it now. Now I think it's cool. But it's sort of like, at the time, I love, 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 loved the TARDIS. But I loved the TARDIS sort of on my terms as as the TARDIS that I had grown up with and loved. And in my view, it was it was a mechanical thing. I mean, it, it kind of had its own personality and, and, you know, it sort of, you know, maybe even had its own intelligence in some way, but it wasn't really a living thing. It was it was like a, a beloved mechanical thing, a beloved vehicle. I mean, K-9 had a personality and I loved the hell out of him. Ooh, I just said hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> No, I love the hell out of canine. That's how much I love canine. Um, But it it wasn't, I don't know, organic or alive or anything like that in in any way. And here suddenly it was. It's kind of like, okay, so so our car, who we call Sally, um, totally a mechanical thing, but we, you know, we, we sort of personify her a little bit, give her a name. If suddenly she opened her hood and she was all glowy and stuff, and suddenly we realized that Sally had been alive this whole time. Yeah, as cool as that would be, that would take some serious getting used to. And I'm not saying that as a joke. Like, honestly, think about that. Your favorite car, your favorite television, your favorite Xbox, whatever. If suddenly it was actually a living thing and you found out about it out of the blue, you'd be freaked the heck out. Okay, I'm back to heck. But... Seriously, I mean, that's that is that's kind of the experience that I went through. There was this thing that I had known my entire life since I was you know, six or seven years old. And suddenly I found out it was not the thing I thought it had been all those years. So that was that was rough for me. I didn't like it. And it took some getting used to now that I'm used to it. It's fine. And it, I like it. Two, two things. Oh, dear. One. Oh, boy. In reverse order of just me remembering to quote the five, the fifth doctor from the five doctors. The TARDIS is more than a machine, Tegan. She needs coaxing, persuading, that sort of thing. Referred to as a she and alive. And in fact, in... Not alive. That, doesn't say, that doesn't mean alive. Okay. That's saying more than a machine. I could say that about Sally right now. Well, uh, on the DVD documentary on the beginning box set, that being the first three stories, for the documentary of, I can't remember what's the make, probably not the making of The Edge of Destruction, but certainly about the TARDIS. They referred to um, the TARDIS sort of being alive in The Edge of Destruction and sort of used and compared it with clips, actual clips from Boomtown when the uh, heart of the TARDIS opened up. 
because you know if you lift i think even in edge of destruction if you if you were to like the time rotor was to leave the console then that would actually open up the heart of the tardis I actually said that so basically that is kind of what they were doing here third episode of all time I had not seen that. I know. I <laughs> wanted to point that out before yeah. people. Excuse me, Oligo <laughs> Darkly on Twitter, but I think you'll find that. It, yeah. Right. Right. And actually, I mean, it, perhaps the fact that I had I've now seen Edge of Destruction two or three times. Times. Um, yeah. Between the first time that I watched this and now, that that may have been a thing that helped because I grew up really just watching the Tom Baker era and everything after that, mm-hmm. and I. You know, but yes, I'm sure there were lines here and there that, that pointed towards and something more than just a machine intelligence. But I may have glossed over those. So, so my point still stands about the way that I felt about it. I think Tom Baker called on the TARDIS alive a couple of times in the Graham Williams era to Leela, just so you know. TARDIS, wonderful, isn't she wonderful? He said to Leela once. That's not saying alive. That's saying she. We call Sally Sally. I, I think we're <laughs> back to this argument again, and then I think they have a bit of a discussion: is the TARDIS alive or something like that? I think, and then something happens, and they go off on an adventure. Anyway, TARDIS alive, Boomtown good. TARDIS alive, Boomtown good. Yes, that's that's perfect. Good. I look forward to hearing more of your thoughts, um, expanded upon perhaps, and not a tire, not at all repeated upon after this <laughs> on the next Verity. Well, I make no promises about the repetition. Okay. But, but I will talk about it on the next Verity, as long as I'm still alive tomorrow. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, next episode of this podcast will be The Massacre Part 2. It's been like over a month since we watched The Massacre Part 1, but I did a pop quiz with you the other day, and you remembered everything that happened in it, so I think we'll be okay to pick up from episode 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I really, really liked it. So it's it's stuck in my memory, and I'm you know even I know it's been a long time since we've watched, but it's not because because we're not interested. I'm so excited to get back to it and watch uh, episode two. Thank God, baseball is over, even though it didn't end the way I wanted. <laughs> yep, baseball's over. Hockey is underway now, um, but there's lots of time to watch some Doctor Who. So I'm looking forward to getting back to it as well. So uh, I guess that's it. I guess that's it. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye.